Hello, this is Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 154, recorded on Saturday, the 8th of October, 2016. And the time at the beginning of the show is 35 minutes past 8 in the evening and 50 seconds. Yes, we're back with another show. And let's start off with the news. Well, you know what? I don't really want to start off with the news because there is nothing amazing to tell you other than I'm still feeling a bit... Yep, which tells you about as much as you need or want to know. So let's just get on with the show and happier things. Okay, let's start at the end. (laughs) I was waiting to say that for a day or two. Okay, let's talk about Blackgate, the horror novel that I'm currently writing. And this is a stage of the show where I'll say, if you're new to the show, but I don't think anyone's new to the show at the moment. I just mentioned, though, on the off chance that you haven't heard an episode before, which is quite possible because I don't get that many listeners that this isn't a show about writing advice, it is a show about a writer trying to get published. So with that proviso, let's just go on. And again, let's begin at the end. As far as fiction is concerned, I believe that I do not have a linear imagination. My imagination goes all over the place. It's like... Do you remember that episode of Doctor Who, I can't remember which one, where there was a diagram of the Doctor's timelines through the universe and how they crossed over and went through and it just looked like spaghetti? Well, that's how my imagination works. Couple that with a really vivid one, imagination that is, means that last night, Friday night, I jumped to the last chapter. So I was on around chapter seven and I suddenly jumped to the last one and then flipped back, but not all the way back to seven or eight or wherever I was. I'm around seven or eight, but I'll explain that in a minute. I flipped back to the penultimate chapter So the last chapter but one. And then I finally went back to where I had left off. None of this is offered as advice, just gives you a little insight into how I make stories up that I thought you might find interesting. If you want to take anything away from this is that there isn't one set way of writing a story. Although there probably is one set way of telling a story. Although, you know what? Scratch that too. Because look at films like Memento. Where the film starts at the end and then works its way back to the beginning. And it works. Although, you know what? Even though that's a backwards kind of narrative, it is linear. It doesn't jump all over the place. Although I'm sure lots of novels do. But 
Before we leave that subject, I am doing that thing which I've done before, but it isn't that unusual, is that as I write the novel, which concerns the main plot, which happens in the present day-ish kind of period, was contemporary anyway, I do flip back in subsequent chapters to things that led to that point. But that's not particularly novel or clever. Hey, I used the word novel. Yeah, oh, okay, well. It sounded funnier in my head. Oh, now, yeah, I said I don't offer advice, but here's something that seems to work for me, and I just discovered this yesterday. Now, I'm looking at the cover sheet of my manuscript in Microsoft Word, and we'll talk about manuscript format some other time. We've done it before, but it's about time for a recap, and there are new things that I've learned. But anyway, just on the subject of the cover sheet, now in the top right-hand corner I have the usual about so many words, but what I've done underneath that is, as well as having a last edited date, which I have since I started writing the novel, I added two more dates. Now, luckily, my document has not been overwritten, so I do know when I first created the document, and that was on the 19th of July 2016, so I've wrote that date down. I've also wrote the first edited date, because I do remember. And on this particular novel, Blackgate, that's 12th of September. And then finally, and this is the automatically updated text field that you can click on it and it'll update. That just has the last edited date. So for me, that was yesterday, Friday the 7th of October. So from a motivational point of view, you can see how this will be useful. You see, I thought that I was doing quite well with the amount of writing that I was doing. I was aiming for about a thousand words a day. But look at this. I started on September the 12th, and in one week's time it will be a month, and I expected to be at around 40,000 words by now. But actually, I'm only around 10. What I'm saying is, if you do write down the first edited date, so that's not when you came up with the idea for the novel, which would be the created date, that would be the date where you actually started working on the novel, and then you compare that to your last edited date, which you can do by putting a text field into Microsoft Word, and this isn't a lesson on how to use Microsoft Word, so I won't bore you with how to do it, but it's pretty easy, and I'm sure just about everyone does know how to do that. Well, if you do that, you've got your first editor date, last editor date, it will light a fire underneath you, and you'll get a move on. 
because you always think you've written more than you have or you're more on schedule than you actually are. And the truth is, you're not. Or at least, Roy isn't. And just before we leave that, I mentioned really quickly that I had an initial creation date, and that was back in July. That's useful just for posterity, so you can say for sure, yeah, that's when I put down first words on paper and thought of the idea for this brilliant novel. So yeah, it's a kind of sugar and spice tip. A nice way of remembering things and also a way of frightening yourself with the knowledge of how much you procrastinate. So that's it for writing this week. Let's talk about Westworld 2016. This is the new show that's just started on TV, produced in association with a lot of different companies. But the two or three that I recognise are Bad Robot Productions, J.J. Abrams Production Company, Jerry Weintraub Productions, Warner Brothers Television, and Kilter Films, which I have no idea about. It's distributed by Warner Brothers Television and released on HBO, which means it's available in this country through a variety of means, including satellite TV. The show was created by Jonathan Nolan, yep, Christopher Nolan's brother, and scriptwriter, and someone called Lisa Joy, who, again, I have no idea about, and I was a bit too lazy to Google. And it is, of course, based on the 1973 movie by Michael Crichton of the same name, Westworld, which just goes to show how huge Michael Crichton was at the time and continued to be through the years, all the way to ER and Jurassic Park and his untimely death, but we'll leave that for now. And this stars quite a few famous people, but what I've done is I've just mentioned the few who I actually know. So Jeffrey Wright is in this. You might remember him from Hunger game series and he seems to have cornered the market for himself for playing nerds and something weird and this is probably down to my own lack of paying attention to the celebrity columns is that for some reason I always assumed that he was an English actor now I don't know if that's because he has starred in things over here or because I've confused him with someone completely different but yeah apparently he's not apparently he is very very American but anyway he plays the geek character in this so that's the character that me and most of you out there I'm assuming would relate to 
Then there's Luke Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth's brother. And Ed Harris, of course, who has been in so many, many films, including genre movies. And Sir Anthony Hopkins. Oh, man, I just used his title. I apologise. I now hate myself. I'm going to rewind the tape. No, I'm not. I'm just going to say that again. Anthony Hopkins. There are no titles in Roy's Rocket Radio. We don't like titles. Okay. And the theme is by Ramin Jawadi, who everyone also knows as the composer of the Game of Thrones theme music and lots of other things but again how much wikipedia-ing can you do so yeah as I said before this is a reboot of the classic 70s sci-fi movie and in this Ed Harris stands in for and I should have mentioned this earlier Yul Brynner I think because Yul Brynner one of my favourite actors, played the black-clad cowboy actor, an obvious reference to his character in the earlier Magnificent Seven. Now, I say I think because I'm not quite sure if the character that Ed Harris plays is, in fact, a robot. He could be human, but I could be wrong because... I'm just not sure one way or the other. But whether he's human or not, I've got to say, even for an actor of his stature, it is a thankless task trying to out-Brinner your Brinner. Because your Brinner was brilliant in the original movie. And I say that quite... Objectively, of course I do. No, I'm a Yul Brynner fan, so I'm not sure if Ed Harris is doing a good job or not. Someone who isn't a Yul Brynner fan will have to comment on that and tell me from a more objective viewpoint. Now, let's just talk a bit about Westworld itself, because I haven't even mentioned what the whole thing is about. It is about a Western-themed amusement park in the future but the difference here is you can role play as a cowboy in this western themed theme park I've got to stop saying the word theme but all the other characters apart from the fee paying visitors are robots, and they are very, very realistic robots. So whatever hideous fantasy you have, you can play out in this park. I was going to say theme again, I apologise. Which brings up a whole bunch of themes, and because this is a TV series, it has the luxury of being able to dig a lot deeper into many, many things, such as sentience, 
self-awareness. The ethics and morality, or of course lack of morality, of slavery. And unlike the original, it really does seem to cast humans as the monsters, which is something I can really heavily relate to. And you'll see why that is later on in the podcast when I mention a few links. So what can we compare this show to? Well, for me, there are many, many parallels. Shows like Logan's Run, and you can see that with the black-clad human enforcers. There's also, very obviously, the Hunger Games. And even from the set design... That feels like the Hunger Games with that game's control room and the Truman Show because it's all fake and everything seems like one big film set. And BSG, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica with the Cylons starting to form their own society and culture even to the extent of starting to develop a mythology. And... It all feels really, really timely, with AI starting to become really big right now. And please don't go all nerd pedantic on me, because I know that Siri, Cortana and Alexa are not really AIs. But I thought, given that they are big right now, it does seem to mean something. And then there's also the work with deep learning and... Libraries like TensorFlow, which I wish I had more time to look at. So, yeah, it all feels very relevant. And they've picked the perfect time to release the show. The other thing that I will say about it, though this isn't to do with how good the show is or anything, is that it really is aimed at adults. This really isn't for children, even though it has robots in it. So just remember that if you're thinking about letting your kids watch it. Is it worth watching? Yes, it is. Really. (laughs) Seems like a show ideally made for me apart from one thing. And I don't see how they could change that. If I have one problem with it, is that it is set in the Old West with cowboys and that really bugs me because I don't like that genre too much, unless it's a spaghetti western. Man, they should have made it more spaghetti westerny, but it is cool, Westworld. So, what can you do about it? But, Michael Crichton could have originally made Pirate World or Space World. I mean, there was a sequel called Future World. But I'm not really sure how much Michael Crichton had to do with that. So yeah, it really is worth watching. And if this has made you more interested in AI, well, there are a million things out there. 
But I have a few things on my blog that might interest you. Not incredibly original or anything, but things I wrote a while back. The first is one of those oh, cringeworthy listicles that I never ever do anymore called Machines Gone Mad 10 Best Rampaging Robot Movies. Rampaging Robot alliteration. There you go. And the link is in the show notes. And the other one is an article called Machine Emotion Why that I did as part of my dot tech series, my short-lived dot tech series, sometime around the time that I totally failed to get that gig with The Guardian. So thanks a lot, Guardian. And again, the link is in the show notes. Okay, next. Big Eyes. This is a movie from T. 2014, which I never got round to watching at the time, which is strange because I do like Tim Burton's work. And it's about Margaret Keane battling her husband, Walter Keane, for recognition as the creator of the Waif paintings, and these were really popular in the 60s and 70s, and probably still to this day. They're those paintings generally of children, I believe. I remember them from my childhood. They just annoyed me because they were everywhere. With the big eyes, so those kids with really out-of-proportion eyes. And this is way back before manga and anime were popular in the West. Yes, so this artist, Margaret Keane, painted these pictures. But because her husband, Walter, was the marketing guy for the pictures, it was supposedly easier for him to sell them under his own name at the time and it turned into a massive legal battle. I was angry through most of this film, not because it was a bad film, but because of that subject, and I am glad with how it ended. It's a good biopic, but honestly it doesn't really feel very Tim Burton, apart from really the setting and the subject of the paintings, which look vaguely, vaguely Burton-esque, I suppose. I'm assuming that it probably did have a big influence on Tim Burton, but for me it didn't feel like a Tim Burton film. No weird trees and spirals. But if you are a creative person, as I said before, that will make you angry because as a creative person, we all have to deal with things like this. Or we know of people who have had their work borrowed or unfairly credited to someone else. So this will definitely fire your ire. Oh man, I'm... Sorry about that. 
it did rhyme and it wasn't intentional at the time when I wrote that show note. And that is it for today. But it isn't, because I've forgotten a bit, haven't I? I haven't said how you can contact the podcast, although... You know what, I've been going for four years, people should know by now, but again, on the off chance that you are a new listener, you can find more stuff at RoyMartha.com, that's my website, that is R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R. I tweet like crazy because I want people to listen to the podcast, whether that works or not is debatable, although... In the first week of October, since tweeting like a really annoying tweeting, tweety bird, I have managed to get 742 new listeners, which is what I usually do in about a month. Although since I didn't check last month, who knows, maybe I've suddenly got 5 billion zillion to the power of infinity new listeners, but somehow I doubt it. But yeah, I do tweet. I tweet at Roy Martha, at R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R. You can also search for hashtag Roy's Rocket Radio. Please review in iTunes. It does mean a lot to me. And I'm going to be telling you more about how much it means to me soon. But this is the end of the show. And thanks for listening. So yeah. This is really the end of the show. This was Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 154, recorded on Saturday the 8th of October 2016, and the time at the end of the show, and I don't know why I keep insisting on saying the time at the end of the show, because this is a radio program, and there are no weather forecasts or traffic reports to come after this, but since I started, I'll finish. The time at the end of the show is 9.25 and 11 seconds. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye!